Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
You're sorry. 
Welcome to Greater Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Um, so, uh, Troy, Kishi, you guys here? Then Holly? I'm here. Oh, you're here? Awesome. How you doing, Holly? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good. I just thought I'd start everything out with an emotional... Uh, you know, status in the, in the game because of everything that's going on around the country right now. So, um, but uh, we should have the and Kishi and Troy coming up here in a in a little bit. So in the meantime, it'll just be myself and you. So um, I saw the um, the Sour Sisters uh, visit the Majestics camp. So that's got to be pretty exciting for you guys, huh? Uh, yeah. So um, they happen to be in in, in town uh, because the Falcons were playing the, the Seahawks. And uh, so they stopped by our tryout, and it was good to have them. Um, I mean, they picked a good day for it because we had that was the day we had uh, storm again in the northwest, and it was actually not as bad as they predicted it to be, but there was still a lot of rain. So it, the pictures are really funny because we all look like drowned rats, but it was really fun. Um, so it was good for, uh, you know, everybody to have them there. I mean, they're always a good positive um uh, encouraging uh you know group of sisters and and uh they're doing a really great job of being spokespeople for our sport and uh so I think it was great to have them there especially for the new players that we have there to have somebody uh to look up to I think is really good so we were happy to have them Yeah and it's been a kind of a um good off season for the WFA overall um so if you guys follow us here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com, we pretty much keep the pulse of what's going on with the women's game in the U.S. and, and North America. But uh, a lot of new teams in the WFA for 2017, a lot of announcements, um, you know, teams coming back to the WFA that normally would, that normally had branched out to the IWFL or the WSFL, um, which is now the U.S. WFL. Um, your, your thoughts on the fact that, you know, every, We've talked about it with Odessa. Uh, it, everybody just starts to seem now that maybe the WFA will be the Premier League, especially when everybody's coming on board now. Well, uh, yes. I think, um, you know, our sport, We, in order to get to where we want to go, we have to uh, up the competition level, and I think that's what you're seeing. I think, you know, once you've had uh, – uh, several of the top teams in the country in our league, the other teams are, are wanting to be in a league that's more competitive. And I think uh, part of that uh, has been the success of the tier system. Um, and then part of that has just been uh, the the work that, uh, that Lisa King and, and Jeff King have done in um, promoting the sport. And I think, I think that's what you're seeing. I think um, at, at this point it looks like, I mean, uh, hopefully it will continue to be so, but it looks like it, it's a WFA as far as uh, uh, the Premier League. That doesn't mean that there's aren't other teams that are good. Um, you know, uh, talking to you, Utah Falcons out there, um, but there are other teams that are out there that are good, but they're wanting to come over to play in a higher level of, of competitive um, uh, of a competitive league, and I think that's what you're seeing. Holly, do you think the tier system brings brings them more of a, a hopeful state before, you know, how you had no tiers? And given the fact of the success of the Zydeco 
and the Black Widows in the in the Division Three setup. Uh, there's a lot of teams before that maybe were fearful to come over because they have to they had to have compete with you know, the elite teams in the WFA, maybe the top 20 or 10, top 10 teams in the WFA, where there wasn't really an opportunity uh, for a shot like at a championship or, a, you know, some sort of division crown in that aspect of it. Now, because of the tier system, do you think maybe that's a factor where everybody sees that, okay, well, maybe we're not going to compete for the division one title, but we have division two and division three opportunities. Yeah, I definitely think so. Because having played for, for uh, several years now, I mean, I've been on teams where we, uh, you know, were competitive, but we didn't have the, the depth and the numbers to compete on that type of uh, level. And it can be hard because you know that you have talent on your team, but you just don't have the horses to compete on the level of, like, the D.C.s and Chicago's and Dallas's. And, and so it can be discouraging for some of those teams. But now with the tier system, they they, they have – uh, the ability again to compete, and so I think that is definitely a factor, um, and then it's been a factor for us in Northwest. So we had, uh, uh, you know, um, Portland went for uh, playoffs for Division One, and Everett went for Division Two, um, and Southern Oregon got into Division Three playoffs as well, and that's really big for those teams because the, the extra, the extra weeks of, of practice. Uh, playing different teams that you're not familiar with, getting out of your comfort zone that only makes you better. And so it prepares you for the following season to to build your program up rather than just feeling like, oh, well, you know, we can kind of compete, but we know it's going to be very difficult to compete at that level. At least this way they have something to work for. And then hopefully the byproduct is that they eventually get to the point where they can compete on Division One. And so for them as individual teams, it's great. And then for sport, it's great because having that extra incentive to compete for something only makes the sport better. And I think what you're seeing over the last couple of years here is that people are starting to see that the, the key to get to where we want to go is competition. We need, we need to have a solid product on the field so that we can sell it. And uh, in order to get to get to that point, we have to compete and uh, push towards it. I think the Northwest, uh, where you guys are playing right now, is a perfect example. Kind of a knit group. Uh, the distances aren't too far, which is more no, you know, probably a state over. Uh, but the hours in terms of transitioning for home games is not. So I think with you know Lisa's focus. We're starting to see that in different areas because of, you know, like, for example, the Nighthawks and the Carolina Phoenix coming over uh, uh, mm-hmm. gives that eastern swing a lot more knit. The travel time's a lot less than having to travel all the way to Boston, for example, um, in terms of cost. So, uh, you know, the, the, I think they're starting to see the fact that uh, the tier systems are going to – it works out really well for that aspect, too, because of the cost uh, and limiting the travel cost. No, I definitely think so. Um, so when my first year with the uh, Portland Fighting Phillies, uh, was 2010, and that first year we had nobody to play in the Northwest at all because the other teams either weren't uh, in existence yet or they were in the IWFL. And so we had to, gosh, we went to Utah twice, we went to Fresno, we went to L.A., and then we went to Vegas twice because there's a playoff game. So we had like 
six long trips of, you know, each trip was at least 13, 14 hours each way. Uh, you know, Vegas was even further. L.A. was even further than that. And although it made for an epic season as far as a lot of memories, it was very expensive. I remember the last trip that we had to Vegas for the playoff game. I mean, we <laughs> we were just, like, cramming people in the hotel rooms. We were all broke at that point because we had spent so much money in travel. So um, I think having, you know, a lot of teams in the central area is helpful, especially on the West Coast because – the West Coast, the main cities are just farther apart than they are on the East Coast. Uh, so, you know, the geography of it is difficult on the on, – uh, it's more difficult on the West Coast because just by the sheer number of people in the major markets, um, they're more spread out over here. So having more teams in the central area are definitely helpful. Um, so I'm all for that, for sure. Holly, what, what's going to be – the factor here with the IWFL, I mean, cause it, I mean, the WFA seems to have a focus forward attitude right now. The, uh, for me, the IWFL is stagnant right now. They're not growing. There's not new teams being announced besides by two teams that, that I'm aware of. So, you know, I'm thinking maybe this is a leadership issue on that other side of the, the equation, but you know, I don't want to sit here and say, but you got Houston that left for the USWFL. Um, there's a lot of teams that left the IWFL this year, either moved to the WFA, and I know that's a migration thing that happens almost every year, but it seems like more so this year, and the fact that everybody's moving to the WFA, I mean, does that speak something about maybe the leadership in the IWFL? Um, yeah, kind of. Um, you know, I first started out in the IWFL and in Corvallis, Oregon, and you know, the IWFL has been around a bit longer, and, you know, they had success for, for many years. Um, and it, it's difficult because, you know, I don't want to make this like a, like a personal thing, but I do think that the, the, the leadership got a bit stagnant, and I think that's its Achilles heel, to be completely honest. I think, I think had they not gotten stagnant, the door wouldn't have been open for the WFA to exist, really. And they kind of had another opportunity when um, a bunch of teams migrated back to the IWFL, and then they I don't think they did much with it. Um, and I know that they've done a lot for our sport, so I'm completely, you know, grateful for that. I just, you know, at some point um, – it's like anything else in business. You, you can't afford to be stagnant, stagnant because somebody else out there is going to see what you're doing, come along and try to do it better. And if you're stagnant, you're going to take, you're going to be taken um, advantage of. And I think that's what's happening. Well, we're talking to everybody. We're talking to Holly Custis, all-star of the Seattle Majestics, uh, part of the WFA. And she's joining us today. We're going to be talking pretty much uh, a lot of emotion, Holly, uh, especially in your realm of the country. And the reason I wanted to bring you up this, this week is because, you know, given the election results that we had and whether you're in favor of one candidate or not, and whether you're in favor of the, you know, the decision-making, which would be an electoral college or a popular vote as an example, um, a lot of things happened this election, even be, even to the buildup. And then obviously the result. So in Portland, for, for example, there was a, there's a lot of uh, buildup in that community. Um, not just there, but always, obviously nationwide at this point now. 
um, with the uh, president-elect Trump as the uh, results of the Electoral College. So you get a feel in the in your area that uh, is this overblown? Is it just more fear that people are just thinking it's just not going to be a good four years coming up? And I'm talking just in a sports sense. I mean, do you feel like in in the sports? I mean, a lot of a lot of players have pro, you know protesting somewhat. We had Kaepernick originally protesting some of the things in the, during the campaigns. Mike Evans came out this week uh, for the Bucks uh, in protest, obviously of. Uh, President-elect Trump. So, what's your two cents in that side of of the country? Um, I had to figure out where to start. <laughs> I, I think what you're seeing in Portland. Honestly, I could I could talk about this for hours. Um, so, one of the things about the West Coast um, that I've realized, or I guess. Uh, that's reminded me of uh, about living on the West Coast is it's a bit different over here. I sometimes personally forget how liberal it is over on the West Coast compared to the rest of the country. Um, you kind of end up taking it for granted a little bit um, because it's just it, it's just a norm over here. You know, much like different areas of the country have you know different. Um, uh, passions and things that they care about. The West Coast is, is very liberal, right? And and I think um, with with the election of Trump, I think there's a lot of frustration. I mean, you know, from my perspective, I <laughs> did not see this coming. Like I kind of did, but I was I was like, no, like you know, I was watching the election. And I kept thinking, okay, well, they haven't counted the West Coast yet. So, you know, the West Coast, you, you know, we're very liberal, so so maybe this will change. And, and there's, there's, there's evidently a huge divide within this country that I think a lot of people didn't realize was there. And so I think there's a big shock factor to it. I think that, you know, regardless of where you stand politically, a lot of people did not actually think he was going to win even the people that supported him necessarily. And so because of that, on the West Coast, you have a lot of people, you know, protesting. And, you know, personally, um, I understand their frustration. Um, I don't think that I would prote- protest in that way just because it, it is not, you know, you can't get anything from it at this point. It, what's done is done. And for me, no matter where I sit politically, I believe in the American process of voting um, and, and what we have, our system. I believe in the system, and so for me, even though I might not like the selection, I have to live with it because this is the, this is a country I live in, and this is the system that we go by. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't ever change it or tweak it or make adjustments to it down the line, but this is what we have right now, and because of that, you know, I kind of on my end, I have to suck it up. Um, however, I totally understand the frustration and the protest because, you know, that's their, their American right and, and they're frustrated and they're shocked and they're scared. And that's, there's a lot of fear with this election more so. I mean, I haven't been alive that long, but more so than since I, I have in my lifetime, this is the most fearful election I've ever seen. And one of the things that I get a little irritated with, with people is you know they're like oh people are just whining and blah 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 and complaining because they lost and I'm I'm trying to say you know that's not it there's a deeper issue here it it runs way deeper than that and and so that's why you have players like Mike Evans even though I personally don't agree with him you know sitting for the 
national anthem because Trump won. Um, but I understand it because he's he's afraid and he he yeah, he's uh, trying to you know protest that result even though it's not going to end up doing anything. Um, can I get to Kaepernick? I have a lot to say. <laughs> I'm I'm going to allow you the platform. No no problem here. Okay okay okay. So we had this. Um, I came on before we talked about Kaepernick and and. Um, yeah. You know, uh, generally we're, we're supportive of his right to, to kneel for the national anthem, you know. Um, I have a frustration with him for not voting. And, again, this is my own opinion, but I feel like not voting doesn't it doesn't do you any good, right? I feel like not voting, especially him, because he made this whole big deal about, you know, look at this issue. We need to fix this issue. And I'm totally on board with fixing the issue. And then he didn't vote to, to attempt to try to fix the issue. And all these other people are, are following him because now he's a leader and he didn't lead. And so I'm frustrated with him about that because I agree with him that the choices were not, they were frankly horrible, but he had other opportunities to vote for other people and make a stand, at least be a leader in that situation. And I, in my opinion, I think he failed in that. Um, so that's just me. Now, <laughs> Holly, um, let's see. Troy, are you on, buddy? I'm here, buddy. All right. So Troy, Troy's joining us, so I just want to make sure we acknowledge him. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I, I don't – Troy and Nkishi are on the East Coast, and Troy and Nkishi probably have a different perspective than we do on the West Coast because we live in a liberal – you know, liberal, like you said, Holly, we live in, I mean, I live in California, you live up in Washington and Oregon. So it's pretty much the three pieces of, uh, of being liberal. Um, but right. the, the fact, I think a lot of the things that happen on this, in this election, I think it was really just emotion because of the shock that you did not think that the candidate. And I really think personally for me, if you watch the news, which I did not watch the news uh, that often, but if you watch the news enough, it was really propaganda on, e- on either side. And so you got to the stage where uh, if you're on one side or the other, somebody made you feel like, well, we, we got a shot and we're going to win it all. You know what I mean? And in, in reality, as I've said before, nobody knows, you know, at a local level or state level, nobody knows what your results are because polling is only polling the same type of, the same type of people. So you're not really going to understand that because polling, that's what it is. So when you get to the ballot box, I think that's the moment of truth for people. Like, like you were saying, Holly, the moment of truth where, you know, uh, Cap, for example, I know he voted for lesser or uh, he voted somehow. He did vote, but he didn't vote for the major parties or the, the four parties. And he didn't, he didn't put his vote for either or. And I know Stephen A. Smith came out very strongly. So, uh, Troy, I'll give you the platform in a little bit here. But for the most part, I'm just saying that the emotion came out where it was more of a shock to, to realize that, you know, a certain section of the country or a, a certain section of the of the nation just, you know, decided to vote in a different way. Um, and, and the emotion, I think, set in for that. Um, so, Troy, I'll give you the platform since Holly kind of already stated her stuff and I've already stated my stuff. So, um, I mean, it was just I think the players are standing out like Mike Evans is standing out because of the fact that he probably didn't agree with the selection or the nominee or the candidate. But in reality, you know, we have a process, as you're saying, Holly. And so I don't know. At this point, you know, you have to honor the process. 
protesting, I have no problem with people protesting. That's not a problem. But when you go into vandalism and destruction, that's not protesting anymore. That, to me, is considered just, you know, idiotic and loony. So, Troy, um, we'll give you the platform since um, we, we said our, our two cents to it already. Um, well, a couple things. I mean, I, I, I agree with you guys on a lot of what you've already said, but, you know, there are some things that I do disagree with. Number one being, um, I'll just start with Kaepernick. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, do the kind of hacky thing of, you know, it's his right not to vote. I mean, we all understand that. I mean, that's, to me, that's a, you know, that's a moot point, but I think, what this election has shown is, is two things. Number one is that working class whites, they really feel like that they're not being heard. And I think that's, I think that's a serious problem. You know, I mean, there's a lot of rhetoric going around as far as like on the Democrat side um, where, you know, they, they cater to certain groups. Um, you know, they wanted to get the African-American vote. They wanted to get the Latino vote. No one at all talked about the, the working white class except for Donald Trump. And, you know, after a while, they just they really felt left out. And I, I completely understand because you, you sit back and say, OK, well, what about us? And so they did feel left out. Uh, and with, with the Kaepernick situation, I was, I was going to say this is by him not voting. And when you look at how the votes broke down, where you had. Um, Gary Johnson, who, you know, some people voted for, who, you know, they were still disgruntled as far as like the candidates. Um, so they voted for Gary Johnson. And you look and say, you know, you, you can play devil's advocate on both sides. If, you know, if those same people who voted for Gary Johnson conceivably would have voted for Hillary Clinton, the results would have been different. But I think, and, and you know, maybe I'm just, you know, being an idealist here, but I feel like by either not voting or voting for a third party, I think what it does is it, it affects change. I think what people need to start doing is we need to stop getting put. We need to get past this whole two-party system. And you think about it like this. Hillary Clinton, by some of her actions and, you know, um, ways that she's made money, and I'm not going to get too far in depth with it, could actually be if, if someone told you she was a Republican, and you look at her resume, you would say, absolutely. For Donald Trump, if you if someone said Donald Trump was running as an independent, just by because he didn't go with Republican values all the way through, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys were clashing with him. If he said he was an independent, would it have been the same result? You know, so I just think, I just think how how all of this how all of this came out. We just need to get away from this whole two party system. Is 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 when you try to, uh, you know, funnel people into making one choice or another, and especially if you're not happy with either one of the candidates, why not? You know, it's just, it's an antiquated system. I just think it needs to be done away with. Um, regarding the protests, I understand that people are upset, but listen, there's nothing you can do to change it right now. You know, it's nothing you can do to change it. I mean, what's done is done. Donald Trump is going to be our president. I, my tongue just felt scorched saying that, but it is what it is. And, you know, like it or not, we're going to have to, we're just going to have to deal with it for the next four to eight years. It's that simple. So, I mean, only time will tell if, you know, it was an absolute genius move 
by you know the you know the majority of the the people who voted for him in those areas you know only time will tell i mean so at this point it's just like disrupting you know walking out of school and things like that i get it everybody's upset but i mean eventually we're just going to have to get back to you know get back to business and see how all of this stuff is going to pan out i mean i'm at this point i'm over the shock of it i didn't see this coming um, obviously I, you know, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I didn't want this to happen. <laughs> so, um, but you know, it is what it is. So, I mean, we just have to deal with it at this point, I, you know, and, you know, we'll see. I, yeah, um, I think the the reality is the reality is that, like I said, the polling really is a, the media polling think really just, uh, to me, that was a, a big factor right there because it was overhyping one candidate over the other. And you really can't do that. Once you start doing that, then you, like Troy, like you were saying, a lot of people are going to sway to a, you know, a third or fourth uh, candidate. And all of a sudden you've got things that are obviously not going to equal out. So, I mean, I really, I, I, and then, and, you know, this, this whole, this whole election was really a lot of tension and divide on, you know, on either side, you're either on this side of the fence or you're not. Uh, so the players, we're talking about the NFL. So, do, you know, they got to be, pretty much in that middle, you know what I mean? Because uh, if you're having a players doing their uh, their actions as well, you know, Kaepernick, I know a, a Stephen A. Smith came out strongly versus that. I, I just think that I'm pretty sure he voted for the, the remaining of the ballot, but he just could not vote for the top two. So go ahead, Holly. Um, I was just going to say, Troy, that uh, I am right there with you with the anti-two-party system. I think – if you look at the reality of the situation, most people actually fall in between. And the problem is, the biggest problem with our system is we've sold our soul for the American dollar. And in order to run for office in this country, you need money. And so in order to get that money, you either have to already be rich or you have to sell your soul to corporations to get funding. And that's the big problem. We need to separate business from politics and uh, open it up for other parties. And uh, so I don't, I'm actually a Bernie person, so <laughs> I uh, was very pleased with how he ran his campaign and how he I, – I feel like that's what we need to get back to because I feel like the founding fathers did not envision, uh, you know, politicians running for office based upon whose pocket they're in. I, I I feel like we need we have the separation of uh, church and state. I think we need a separation of big business and state. That is a huge. I problem. think the the big word you gotta. I mean, everybody. Um, I think I posted on my on my Facebook page. Um, I don't think I've ever met a politician that is clean and neat. It's bribery, and that's what it is. The system is a bribery system. If whoever can buy you and support you and put you through. Um, it's really that kind of system. That's why the third and fourth party can't really compete with that because if the top two parties are over overpowering the system where the, the big donors are just taking over everything, that's where you have that two-party system issue because you're not able to compete. I, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Troy, I think Gary Johnson or Jill Stein would have to have gotten like 5% or something uh, of the voting overall for them to even, you know, be considered on as a third party issue or going for a third party, my understanding. 
So if you don't even get to that point, then you're not you're not even in the conversation. So that's that's an issue as well, right there. Well, well it's not only that, but then you know, going back to this whole two party thing, I mean, think about it. They funnel you into it because you know Jill Stein and Gary Johnson were not part of any debates. You know, why weren't they? I mean, if if this is supposed to be democracy, as they say, you know, but it, it, instead what they did was they forced you, they funneled you into, you know, taking two candidates, and it it, it truly backfired. I mean, I, and, you know, even though Trump won, okay, there was so much vitriol on that side when it comes to the Republicans because they didn't they didn't necessarily like this guy. But then think about it like this, and it, 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 it goes both ways. They didn't like him, and they hated his values. He didn't stand for any of the values. There were so many of these guys that came out and said that they were offended. I have daughters. Um, you know, what am I going to tell my daughter if I vote for this guy? And they all ended up voting for him. They, I mean, and they came out and said, I support Donald Trump. And they did that because of party loyalty. So how do you expect us to really look at you as a politician and sit back and say, you know what, this is a guy who is honest. This is a guy that, you know, stands for something when you are more loyal to your party than you are to your own personal values, and you are more loyal to your party than you are to your own family. So, I mean, how am I supposed to look at a person like that? And that's, you know, and nobody, I just feel like I'm the crazy person because nobody questions that. And if they, if, and if they do, they don't question it loud enough. That is a, that is a huge, that is a huge uh, thing. That's what I'm saying. It's like, the the broken system. It's, it's I wouldn't say it's a broken system. I would say it's a system that needs to be modified to include, like you said, Troy, the other voices of choice. And then at that point, it's more of a fair inclusion. They could have included them in the in the in the aspect of it. Um, but as we're talking NFL, for example, let's go into what the factor is behind it. We got the election. We got a president. Two two candidates that were unfavorable. One obviously came up with the result. That and then obviously you know the country is not in agreement uh, at you know with the result, so we're going to have to bear the bone like Troy says you know within a four years or or eight years depending on on the outcome. So the future will tell there. But the ratings, do we? Does the NFL at this point? I mean, the the election's over. Are we going to are we going to blame the low ratings on vandalism and uh, emotional tension from the uh, election result at this point, or is it just bad product and bad refereeing? <laughs> it's bad product and bad refereeing. It's bad. Uh, it's um, like we talked about the last time I was on. It's oversaturation. It's bad product, bad refereeing. Um, they need to, uh, personally, I really think they need to get rid of Thursday night football that's just too short of rest for a player to perform and be healthy. Um, and. Uh, it's just uh, they need to really look at themselves and, and stop being basically so greedy. I feel like the NFL has had so much money coming in that they just think that we want more, 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 and I think we've gotten to that tipping point where now that more, more, more is no longer there. It's a, it's a uh, diminishing return. And in order for them to correct that, they really have to internalize that and look at themselves and make the product better. And I I don't know if they're going to do that until their, their hand is forced because, you know, people that are making that much money, they don't really want to change anything unless they really have to. 
if they were smart, they would get ahead of the curve and change it now. But I don't think they are. <laughs> I, I think it's a great thing to have the ratings of the NFL drop, and this is why. Because just like Holly said, I could not have said it better. What other way to affect change than to affect the NFL's pockets? It is complete oversaturation. I'm personally tired of watching football on, on Thursday. I am. And I am a football junkie. But I'm tired of having to, like, you know, having to switch my day around to, to watch an NFL game and then to hear the players who, you know, are, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but they are the face of the league. None of the players like it. None of them? None of them. And But you're still doing it. Because, you know, it's, again, I know it's a bottom line business and, and, and things like that, but it's – it's just complete oversaturation. And, I, and I'll give you an example, and this isn't just me being a homer here. So the Washington Redskins, you know, they this weekend on Sunday night, starting at 830, they play the Green Bay Packers. They have to turn right around, play at 430 in Dallas on Thanksgiving. Now, you know, what the hell kind of rest do you think that these guys are going to have? I mean, you're asking them to run 22 miles an hour and to another human being who's 300 pounds, and he's running 22 miles an hour, and you ask him to do that a total of 70 times per game, you, you kind of need a little bit more recovery than that. And and it's just, you know, it, it, to me, it's like they're not even listening to the players. I mean, they're still talking about this 18-game season. But, you know, but there's there was, there won't, they can't do that because there's no discussion. I mean, okay, so you get those two extra games, where you have, um, you know, 80,000 seat stadiums, so now you got 160,000 extra tickets being sold. Is that going to is that going to roll over to the players, or is that just going to all go into the owners' pockets? And then if you're talking about player safety, I mean, listen, if you really cared about the players, you would listen to the players. And the players don't like Thursday night football. The players want to smoke weed because it's better than taking painkillers. It might be it might behoove them to listen to the players this time. No, I agree. I think the short term, even Ray Lewis said, uh, came out and said that that's that's a big factor on game day because if you go from a Sunday to Thursday, you really are not even doing anything. I mean, you only got what probably 24 hours or or 40 or less than 48 hours to prepare for that another game, so nobody's really ready for that game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I just, it's, it's tough all the way around. It, it's it's just not. It's just not smart. Um, like Target was saying, if you really care about the player's safety, which, I, to be honest, I don't think they really do. I think <laughs> um, I watched a special on uh, for how, like, basically on concussions and how long the NFL dragged out, like they were in denial about it, and they had their own doctors, quote-unquote, investigate it. They don't really care about the player's safety in the way that you would think they should. Uh, they only care about it as far as it relates to their public image, and and that's evident. Oh, yeah. It's evident to me that I mean I mean there's always injuries in football, right? But it seems to me like there's a lot more injuries this year, and I don't know the numbers or if that maybe it just feels like there's more injuries to me. Um, but I, I this is going to take a toll, and if you're talking about 18 games, I, I can't remember who it was that that. Um, I don't know if it was Joe Kelly that said it or one of the coaches a few weeks ago said, if you're going to, you know, have this this many games, you need to increase the roster size, um, which I think makes sense. But at the same time, 
I I don't know if even that would help that much. Like, you got to be aware of what the, you're asking these people to do. And yes, they're getting paid millions of dollars to do so. But if you're talking about the product on the field, it's going to suffer because they're just not on 100%. And, and just I really you know, think real coaches... quick, I wanted to jump in there. Uh, real, real quick, I wanted to make a point about that. Um, and you're starting to see that now as far as, like, the, the lack of – like, the, the play is starting to roll down. I mean, what do you have? Like, you, at least – four or five elite quarterbacks, maybe nine really good quarterbacks, and the rest are, you know, you know, average or below average. And you're starting to see that league-wide. Sorry sorry about that. No, you're fine, Tori. Um, I'm on the same point you're, you're trying to make here. It's, it's just like we talked about it before. It's just not, restful time is not enough. So uh, I don't know. I mean, is it a CBA issue at this point? Do we need the union? The union's the one that uh, we talked about the off-training camp before, remember, uh, that we just discussed about if they're not getting actual live hits during training camp because they're cutting off, you know, uh, this time, are they really prepared in preseason because the preseason games are probably very limited. So they're probably not up to par until, like, what, this at the middle of this season now? They're barely getting to that level of contact where they're on a live contact mode? So I don't know. I mean, it's – it's just a, a situation where maybe the product is just – they're killing the product, basically, in other words. I, I feel like – Yeah, I mean – Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. Um, go ahead. I was, I was going to say that I feel like, you know, hitting on the point again of I don't feel like they really care about player safety and, unless it's a public image issue. I feel like the non-contact stuff is not really them caring about safety. It's them caring about – their public image. And the problem is is that they think that it makes them look better by not having as much contact, but it's really like we said before, doing the reverse damage. It's actually creating more injuries and, and the product is also suffering. And if they if they would take a minute to look at that, I think they would adjust it um, kind of back to where it was or at least closer to that direction of, you know, more contact, um, uh, probably less of a preseason, and dear God, no more Thursday nights and no 18-game season. Agree. When the NFL Network came into play, I think when the NFL Network came into play, that was just, you know, I can't even watch NFL Network 24-7. I mean, I really, I'll be honest with you, I don't even watch 24-7. I'll watch it on occasion, total access once in a while or anything like that. But but not, you know, when when you put a network together, that's sort of like over the top, and you got 24-hour programming. I don't know how much you can take of that, but yeah, man. And not to mention, you're starting to see the numbers of all the other networks who cover the NFL. You start to see them go down, and you know, again, like how many can you have? I mean, you'll have, um, you know. Sports Center will come on at twelve in the afternoon, and then at two o'clock you got the NFL Insiders. At three o'clock you got NFL Live. After that is Sports Nation, and they're all talking about the same thing. It's all the same stories, and so then you get that oversaturation on that end. And then what you also see is, and, and you know, no disrespect to anyone out there who is a journalist, but you're starting to see a lack of actual journalism integrity, and then you're starting to go to these blowhards like, you know, for, for, for Stephen A. Smith, who, you know, well, he's a very smart guy, but 
so he needs to get ratings. So he has to say outlandish things and scream and him and holler and all of that stuff to to kind of get ratings. And so you start to see basically a downturn of all of it, you know, just, just the, the product on the field and is how it was covered. And I don't know, you know, if you guys have watched this where you, you know, since the NFL has, you know, banned contact in training camp and also in practice now, and, you know, you got teams attacking a donut, uh, you know, tackling donuts out there. Holly, I, I, <laughs> listen, you play linebacker. I, yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever tried to tackle a donut on the field, but it's not the same thing. I've not tackled a donut. I mean, I've tackled pads, like, you know, blocking pads and stuff. And, it's yeah, it's not the same thing. There's no there's no give to it. Sometimes it's actually more painful because if you tackle, like, a, a blocking pad into the ground, there's not as much give to actually uh, if you're tackling a person. So I've knocked the wind out of myself before tackling a, a pad. It's really not that helpful. Unless you're maybe no. working on slower, slowing it down and doing technique stuff, but other than that, like full speed, it's really not helpful. Exactly. So what do they, what do they go forward here? Are they gonna like I said? Are they gonna blame the ratings on the election? <laughs> are they gonna blame the rating on Trump winning, uh, or is this just a matter that they have to address at this point? So I I, I really think they. You know, they, like you, to Holly, to your point, I really think the owners are just in a non-caring mode. They, as long as they're, as long as the, the money keeps coming in from the corporate end of things, they're not going to really realize that there's issues because the average fan probably can't even get into the stadium uh, with an average ticket. That's why they're probably watching it at home on TV because it's probably less expensive to do that. Yeah, it's definitely an issue. And another thing I was thinking about is. The way we watch football has changed, you know, with um, social media and apps on your phone and, you know, just the whole dynamic of uh, our culture as a whole, you know, we, we get our results instantaneously. We want to know the scores and stuff. So it's very easy now for people to go about their day on a on a Sunday you know, take care of errands, you know, take care of stuff around the house, but you can still check on the score as you're doing stuff and without, you know, having to watch it if you don't want to. Or you can be, like, out in the world doing errands and just look at your phone and be like, oh, here's a score and see the game cast. And <clears throat> and so how we've how we, um, consume the game has also changed as well. But I think that's kind of a – I think that's a smaller issue compared to the, what we've already talked about. I think the main problem is oversaturation. Yeah, I, we, I agree. I agree totally. Um, Troy, I was going to bring in um, – I, I don't know if Keisha is going to show up here because apparently her Cowboys are 8-1, and one, and I would have <laughs> thought she would have been joining us by now since uh, apparently, you know, typical Cowboys the rookie's fans. going. Typical Cowboys fans. Typical Cowboys fans. I mean, that's fans. what I'm saying to Um <laughs> I don't know, you know, if she's going to show up today or not, but let's let me just let me just play something for you guys right here. That's the way this NFL. That's the way the football works. A great example of this is Dak Prescott and what he's done. He's earned the right to be our quarterback. 
hard as that is for me to say, he's earned that right. He's guided our team to an 8-1 and record, and that's hard to do. If you think for a second that I don't want to be out there, then you probably never felt the pure ecstasy of competing and winning. All right, Holly. I guess you can relate to that. Uh, that's Tony Romo right now uh, basically having to hand over the mantle of quarterback officially, I guess. This is the this is no different than Obama handing it over to Trump, I guess. <laughs> it's pretty devastating for him. And he has to do it formally, which before he was kinda just, oh well, you know, it was just it was just talk from the owner, talk from the media. Uh so um I'll I'll start with you. Did he have to do this? That's the question I think I'm I'm asking. He didn't really have to come to a podium and address the fact that the starting quarterback has now taken his job. I don't know if that was good for him. No, you know, he didn't, I don't think he he had to, but I think when you're talking about uh, the Cowboys in the quote-unquote America scene, which makes me want to throw off a little bit being a 49ers fan, but there is a, it's kind of like, it's kind of like being a Yankee fan or a Boston Red Sox fan, you know, or like I, Dallas, uh, the Dallas Cowboys, I think, is definitely one of them. So, you know, there's a couple things going on. Uh, it could be that he has a coach or a publicist in his ear saying, you should just go ahead and address this now. Or maybe he felt like he had to. I don't think I don't think he had to, but he may have felt the pressure and, and, and thought, okay, the media is going to hound me the rest of the season. Um, and they're going to ask me 20,000 questions about, you know, how much it sucks not to play and how much it sucks that, you know, Dak is doing awesome and my team is doing well, but I'm not playing. And uh, so maybe he just wanted to address it now before it gets later in the season. So I think that's probably what he felt like he had to do. Hey, Troy, um, this is Dallas. If this kid takes them to the playoffs, which which uh, Romo has never done, and if this kid somehow pulls up the miracles, right out of the, you know the rabbit out of the hat, and take, maybe takes him to the big game. <laughs> wow, what do you think of this move? Well, I mean, Romo's Romo's gotten into the playoffs a, a couple times. He's, he only has one win, however. Uh, but uh, it's I, I, I'm with you. Why did Why did you have to do that? Why, why? I don't understand the press conference. I don't get. The rationale behind it, but it's not like it's not like he was retiring, Troy. It's not like he was retiring and yeah. says, "I'm hanging it up." The kid's taking the mantle. Yeah. Thanks to support him all the way. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I just if it was me, I would have just said, "I don't need this." <laughs> right. Yeah. I was just like, no. Just you know, just announce it. Do do what you got to do. Just tell the press, "Hey, listen. Uh, you know, Dak's starting. He's the starter for now. That's it." You know, there's no need to have this, you know, almost tearful halfway through the season press conference. But listen, the, the Cowboys are balling. You, you know, you can't take that away from them. And, you know, they're doing pretty well. And, you know, they got their, their rookies out there shining with that with that big offensive line. They're doing what they do. So, I mean, you got to you gotta take your hat off to them. I mean, you know, a lot of people, some people want to come back and say, oh, it's because of a week's schedule, you know, this, that, and third, listen, they don't. They don't get a chance to make their own schedule. They play who's out there, and so I, I've been taking my hat off to them all this week. And but I do feel like, and, and I know I'm, I'm I'm not alone in this one. 
I think before the season is over, we will see Tony Romo. I just, you know, I just feel it. I just don't think this is his last go around this season with this Cowboys team. I just think at some point he's going to come in there and, you know, he may have to rescue, you know, Dak from either a bad game or, you know, God forbid, an injury or something like that. But I just think Tony Romo's season is not over. This is not going to end on the bench. I don't think this is going to be a um, uh, was it Drew Bledsoe, Tom, uh, Tom Brady situation. That's that's what I was going to say right now, <laughs> Bledsoe, Bledsoe to Brady type deal. Um, but, you know, they have been playing good. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's been doing his part. Uh, you got Beasley and Witten now, combination. You got, got Bryant as well. Starting to, they're starting to peak at this point. But you got to be very impressed with that. But I just didn't. When I heard that today, and I'm watching this, and I mean, it was almost like somebody was pro, pro, probing him to say the words. You know what I mean? It's like it's like one of these things. Where <laughs> I just didn't think it was very necessary for him to come out and even talk about it like that. Yeah, I mean, just welcome to Dallas. I mean, that's that's how they do. I mean, they put on a show down there. It's a damn circus down there. So, I mean, you know, you got a Jerry Jones. He, he, he loves selling cereal, as I like to say. I mean, so this is you know, just drawing more attention to an already, um, you know, when they already have the spotlight on them. And, you know, I like it. I like it. I just, you know, talk more about the Cowboys. I love it. I just feel like toward the end of the season – and possibly in the playoffs, because, I mean, right now they're the top team in the, in the whole league right now. I'm just, you know, uh, just I'm just, you know, everybody temper their expectations. Just the wheels might get a little bit rickety going down this road. That's all I'm going to say. Well, and my and my crappy coach has finally realized that he's got to start the number one draft pick. What a crap yeah, shoot in Los Angeles. What, an, what a moron in Los Angeles. The guy wins by three points, and he's praising his special teams for winning the game for him. I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? I vomited. I vomited watching that video. I was like, are you kidding me? And then he's like, I, I got to start the quarterback now. You know, midseason, I got to start the quarterback. Oh, you, oh my God. I, uh, I don't know. You know what? I just, like, I, I, I was trying to bash my head on a foam bat or something, but I really did hit wood, and it did hurt really bad and I was just like what what an idiot I mean it's, it's just like the beginning of the season remember when the Niners gave us that 28 to nothing beat down and he's come out and saying hey uh but you know what we're we're part of a group that lost two th- this week so we're okay because the team was better than us over there what an idiot and <laughs> to, to win by three points to, to win by three points Holly and you're like yes special teams won us the game come on Oh, my God. You could have called Christian Moore or Savannah Melton from uh, Arkansas or Arizona to, to win you the game if you wanted to go that route. Come on. <laughs> you know, every time he wins, doesn't he have that, I just farted and I'm the only one that knows it look on his face? It, it just annoys me. Yeah, exactly, Troy. That's what I'm talking yeah, about. Just, oh, my God. He, he, just, he just he irks me. <laughs> he really does irk me. It's just weird dynamic. I don't know. I, I just I, I just think yeah, I I'm I'm done. I mean I already put my banner, I paid my money, it's at the it's the Coliseum, Fire Fisher, I don't know what else to do. I mean hashtag as much as I can I guess for the rest of the time. But I am not on board with this guy. Just 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 
It's just bleak. I mean, you just you can't even put a what you, you put one touchdown or, or not even a touchdown, and you're okay all with it. Oh well, we we squeaked by. We won today, man. We won today. Come on, man. Really? Come on. I mean, you guys did beat a tough Jets team. I mean, that's that's a pretty tough. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't even swallow that right now. I'm just. Oh my God. You can't even you can't even say that with a straight face. It's ridiculous. Oh, God, Fitzpatrick, please come back. Fitzpatrick, come back. <laughs> Damn it, we got beat by Geno Smith. God dang it, Geno Smith. Dang it. Right. Yeah. There, New York is New York is uh, L.A. Rams uh, East. That's really where we're at right now. It's just it's pretty bad. It's just it, I don't know. Anyways, Holly. Let, uh, so to make me feel better, let's talk about the Niners being horrible. <laughs> that that'll make oh, me feel man. better. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Uh, you know, at this point, I I don't blame Chad because I think he came to a burning building. It was already burning. I I think it really it's it's a front office. Um, I've been saying this for like three three years ever, ever since uh, Harbaugh uh, left. The the front office has destroyed this team. It was only three years ago or so, three years ago that uh, you know we were in the Super Bowl and then we were just we can't we can't do anything and um, uh, you know Hyde's been hurt that's been an issue um, you know our offense is inconsistent our defense really can't stop anybody it's it's pretty it's pretty bad it's gone to the point now guys that when in my fantasy league whoever actually you know um, is an offensive player against my Niners I, I start them I take them even though it skits my own team, because I know that they're going to score lots of points. As Troy's point prior to this, uh, party loyalty, you're going there, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a Niner until the day I die, but I'm trying to win my league, so. <laughs> you, you know when the Titanic <laughs> is about to hit the iceberg. You're, you're getting off, I know. It's just, uh, that's, why I, that's how I feel about uh, Fisher. It's like, I'm, come on. I'm hanging on, I'm hanging on but it's, it's, it's tough, like, and like you said about Fisher, what you know what irks you about him is he just doesn't seem to care. That's a, you know that's kind of evident to me about him. I don't feel like the front office with the Niners care. Like like I I can't tell you how many articles and news clips I've seen about you know York or even the owners saying, oh just blame me, blame me. Hell yes, we blame you. You destroyed our team. <laughs> we were really really good three years ago. Our defense was really good. And now we're the worst defense in, in, the, in the league, hands down. And that is a front office problem. And I'm sick of them saying, blame us, and then nothing happens. Like, they need to clear out the entire front office, is, is my opinion. And I don't know if Chip is the right guy for the coaching staff or not. I think he he just took over the reins over a burning ship. And he's trying to do the best he can, but um, he has really nothing to work with. There was a uh, there was a guy on Twitter that told me that when Harbaugh left, he literally just lighted the match, and just burned down oh, the yeah. city, pretty much when he left. Yeah, because I mean, that's, no, that's, that's exactly what it is now. What you know what I mean? <laughs> that's exactly what happened. I feel like whatever Harbaugh had issue with the front office, whatever that that uh, uh, dynamic was that ended up, you know, sending Harbaugh packing. 
I feel like the rest of the team just fell apart when Harbaugh left. Like they either they either re, like half the team retired overnight, or they they shipped people off, or they eventually you know traded Vernon Davis for a pack of cigarettes and and a six pack and got nothing for him. And it's like <laughs> it's just like at that point when they Seriously. traded Vernon, I was I was so upset. Because I'm like, this is an asset. Like, you're looking at it like a business. You got nothing for him. Yeah, he was on the back end of his career, but you can still get more than that. Like, he was so bad. And he is <laughs> and he is balling for my team. He is really yeah, yeah. well he's, for my team. I love Vernon because – Go ahead and go, Troy. He plays like a giant kid. Like, he's just always so happy. And, like, if, he, if he's playing well, he has, like, this giant smile on his face and – he not only is a really freakishly awesome athlete, like his size alone with that speed is crazy, but his attitude is amazing. It's contagious, and that was one of the things I loved about their offense during that those couple of years there was, like, I loved watching him play. Him and, and Gore, you know, was, was a really underrated running back, and um, that was a really fun team to watch. And now all those players are gone, and – you know, I just have a, like, a hard time dealing with it sometimes. I've kind of given up on the season. You know, I'm kind of like in that, okay, I'm still following you, but I'm not really that upset if you lose because I know you're probably going to lose every remaining game. So um, our one win is probably going to be against your Rams. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know how that game I don't know how that game's going to turn out, but uh, yeah, I'm 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 hoping to be on top. That's all I got to tell you. So I don't know. Trent Trent Balky Trent Balky is the worst GM in football. It's it's that simple. I mean. Oh yeah. And and then you and then you got to say to Jake York, okay, whatever your differences were with Harbaugh and and Balky's differences, because apparently neither one of them loves Harbaugh. And I was telling a story last week about. When they opened Levi Stadium and Harbaugh told his, his coaching staff that he didn't want them to go because they had work to do. And, you know, Balky and, and and you know, Jed York, they just felt that was a slap in the face and that was sort of the last draw. And so, you know, who cares? I mean, you're in a results-based business. And the results that this guy was getting was better than you had you know, before that, I mean, you had Singletary and then you had to tell in the Mike Nolan and then, you know, all of that garbage that you had coming in there. He was much better. He had that program going. And, you know, you decided that you wanted comfortability over winning and it just, you know, it kind of goes to the value of, or well, what they value in that, in that, in that uh, organization. Yeah, it was, it was evident to me, um, you know, when the year before Har- Harbaugh came on board, we were three and thirteen, and he took us in the first year to thirteen and three, with most of the same players. So that tells you he's really good at building culture and building a program, and that's what we needed in that moment, right? And then when, so if you're, you know, the front office of the Niners and you just happen to not like him, I think it's they thought they thought that the program was so talented that that. Uh, we could survive without Harbaugh. What they didn't realize was not only is he a good coach, he's a good culture builder. And without that that leader at the top, the whole entire house of cards just fell. And then they're left with with egg on their face. And then it was evident to me, like, 
by the <laughs> by um the fact that the very next guy they brought on was it was a yes man. Frankly, he w- he was a guy that they could control. He was not a good head coach yep. at all. He couldn't even get through a press conference. He was the guy, the the fart chair guy. You remember he had like the the he farted in the middle of the press conference and then like he couldn't he couldn't get through he couldn't get through a press conference. He can't even form at least Jeff Fisher can form sentences. This man he seems like a really like lovable, nice guy, but he can't get through a press conference and you want him wow. to lead your team. It was so bad, and I'm like, it's evident to me that they hated Harbaugh so much that they're like, we're going to just move this guy into this role even though he's not qualified at all because we know he'll do what we want him to do. And then they realized, okay, that doesn't work, but they, the whole you know, cabinet is bare, and then they're like, Chick Kelly, come save us. And Chick Kelly's like, okay, I need another chance. And then he's like, now he, he just doesn't have anything to work with. You know, it's kind of sad. What? When they announced that they were going to hire Jim Tomzola as the head coach, I I I I could not believe it. I mean, especially when you had a great defensive line over there, Vic Fangio. I mean, Vic Fangio should have got the job. It was no, it's not, it's not even close. But I mean, Vic Fangio was basically tied at the hip with Harbaugh. So it just. I, I couldn't understand what the hell was going on, but when they announced that he would be the head coach, I was just like, so, windows closed. I mean, you know, just, you know, call the dogs off. That's it. And sure enough, I mean, this guy went out there and he, yeah. he just he embarrassed himself. Yep. Straight out. Facts right there. That's, that's. I mean, I it's it's just gone downhill pretty much. Um, Holly, let's talk about something better. <laughs> better. Seattle beating Tom Brady uh, this past weekend. I mean, everybody was just in joy. Uh, Russell Wilson seemed like the old Russell Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. Besides Michael, Michael, I think was it a Christian? I think it's Christian Michael or Michael Christian who got Christian let Martin. go today. Yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, he he failed me. He failed me miserably in fantasy that that one game where they didn't even hand him the ball. That pissed me off really big time. But anyways, um, that's probably why they let him go, because they, they heard me and said, he's out. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pete Carroll, for doing me the service. Anyways, um, it, it, you know, it just it was Seattle's – I think Seattle played a good game, and New England, even at the end there with Gronk trying to, you know, portray some sort of actor there, I mean, that was a clean, clean a pull-off, you know, shoved off. It wasn't – no tugging or grabbing or anything. It was just clean. It just, it just, you, you couldn't get to the ball. But they played really well. So what? You, this is the number two team in the NFL based on power rankings that came out today. So are they back? Is that where? Is that what we're? That's. I think that's my question. Are they back? I I think the thing with the Seahawks that I've noticed, um, you know, over the last few years with Pete Carroll as a coach is they seem to really struggle early in the year. They seem to get off to really slow starts. And I think part of it is their offensive line the last three or four years seems to start really slow. And then about halfway through the season, they start to click. And that seems to uh, open the offense up a little bit. Um, uh, Each week they seem to get a little bit better. I don't know if they're back back, but they're definitely on the track to being back. I think this is a very big confidence booster for them, you know, considering all the stuff they, they've, you know, been through. 
Um, and I, I would like to see how healthy Russell Wilson can continue to be because he's going to be the key to, to that team going forward. If you have him healthy, then they can make a, they can make a strong push in, in the playoffs here, uh, this year. But he's been hobbled, you know, basically most of the year. So if, if, if he's injured, then, then they're in trouble. And then on, on defense, um, they've had some issues this year, but I think – uh, they seem to start to work through them a little bit. So it's, uh, for me, the jury's still out, but they're definitely playing in really good position at this point. So we'll see if they're able to, to, to use that momentum to push themselves uh, deep into the playoffs. Troy, your I like that. I like that, that Legion of Boom. Um, man, they, they really came to play. I mean, the, the, the hits that they put on Gronk and they frustrated him. Like, I've, I haven't seen anyone ever do. I mean, Gronk is usually just manhandling people out there, but I've never seen people attack him that physically. And I think what they did was they set the tone for the rest of the league. They're still a top defensive unit. And, you know, uh, Michael Bennett, he was out, and they still were, you know, generating a lot of pass rush, you know, against Tom Brady. And watching Russell Wilson, he wasn't healthy in the beginning of this year. But now he's starting to get healthy. I mean, the guy's tough as nails. He was going to play through it. But now he looks like the old Russell Wilson, as you alluded to earlier. To watch him out there and, and making plays and, and throwing the passes that he that he's done to, uh, to Doug Baldwin when, you know, in the past, even though he's made plays, he still, you know, looked like he was having, a, you know, some trouble reading defenses, but now he just looks like he was just on target so much, and I, and they are a momentum team. You know, as, as Holly stated earlier, they start off slow, and this is around the time, around November and December, when you start to see that, that Seahawks machine rolling. So I'm not surprised to see these guys, um, you know, playing the way they played. I knew going into to New England, it was going to be a toss-up because you had two great teams. So I'm not surprised that they won the game, and I just think going forward, they're going to be a definitely they're they're definitely going to be a team to reckon with going that stretch. Can I? Ollie, what do you think of the that... AFC West? What'd you say? What do you think of the AFC West? Um, we got Raiders, Chiefs, uh, Broncos, pretty much in a three-way tie. Um, Raiders have been very impressive this year. With uh, uh, Crabtree, uh, I mean Crabtree and um, Cooper and Carr, and you also have uh, Kansas City has been, you know, not so not so well, but they got a seven and two, uh, you know, result so far. Um, the Broncos are the Broncos, so um, I'll, I'll let you finish what you wanted to say before, but we'll go to the AFC West afterwards. Um, um, I'll, I'll I'll just uh, address the AFC West first. Um, I really like the Raiders out of the three, just because they're so they're, their offense is really fun to watch. Um, the weapons they have are they're just fun. Denver, um, their defense is still strong, but they're not as consistent as they were last year, in my opinion. It seems like one week they're really really good, and the next week they're just not. They're kind of okay. So I think their their defense needs to be more consistent uh, to make a, 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 a run deep into the playoffs. The Chiefs, I think, are okay. I don't know if they have the um, 
the horses uh, to go um, into the playoffs or at least maybe a wild card team, but maybe not very far. I like the Raiders. I think they're kind of my, my sleeper pick, um, you know, and they're due. They're frankly, they're due. <laughs> um, but the thing I was uh, going to say was, did you know that the Lions are in first place in their division? That's yeah. what I was going to go to next. Uh, that, isn't that so. shocking? <laughs> After yeah. the, they're on yeah. a bye week. <laughs> they're off a bye week, and then they get they get first place when they come back. That's, oh, wow. Well, I, you know, I, uh, I, I that know, was crazy. I, I know everyone is on the Raiders, and you know they they've I mean they've been awesome. They're five and on the road, but I just want to run off real quick what their schedule has been. Uh, they, they beat the Saints. They lost to the Falcons. They beat the Titans, the Ravens, the Chargers. They lost to the Chiefs. Uh, they beat the Jaguars, the Buccaneers, and they just beat the Broncos, and then they wanted to buy. Not exactly murderers row. So their schedule still is relatively tough going down the stretch. I mean, they have the Texans, the Panthers, the Bills, who are playing very well, the Chiefs who are playing very well. The Chargers can beat anybody in any given day. You got the Colts, and then you finish up the season with the Broncos. It's really early. So I like the way that they're going. To me, they have the best wide receiver tandem in, 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 in football with uh, Cooper and Crabtree, and I know that's another player that the 49ers let go, and then look at this guy, you know, doing what he's doing now. Um, but I like the Chiefs, and the reason why I like the Chiefs because I think out of the top three teams in that AFC West, I think they're the most balanced. I mean, they are balanced on offense where you got Alex Smith who is – you know, the guy won't, that won't make the mistakes for you, but he'll, he'll you know, make the plays that he needs to make with his feet and also with his arm. They can run the ball effectively, and that defense is still top-notch. When you look at the Broncos, they have problems scoring the football. I mean, their running backs are now hurt, um, and Trevor Simeon is still a young kid, and he's still learning the ropes. And then when you look at the Raiders, they have problems with the defensive end. Like, you know, they – with the amount of players that they have on that side, you would think they would make more plays than they do, but they just, you know, they've been getting by. I mean, they've been getting really lucky. And listen, you can't take anything away from them when they win these games, whether they're close or not, or whether they score a whole lot of points and they have to outscore the other team. But I just think overall, when I look at the picture, the Chiefs continuously, as they have the last three seasons, or two seasons, that, uh, well, this is his third season, Andy Reid has been there. These guys just fly under the radar. Don't look at us. We're fine. We're seven and two. We're the most. You know, you look at the standings. You're like, really? They're seven and two because you don't hear much about them because they're not a very sexy pick. But I just think overall they're the most solid team in that league. They've been impressive. They have. They've been impressive uh, for for sure. Um, Holly, you you mentioned it. I was going to go through it anyways, but uh, the Giants. Um, Troy's uh, arch nemesis there besides the Eagles. The Giants kind of, you know, they're kind of rising. They're 6-3. and three. Manning seems to be interception-free. Um, the Lions, you just said, they're, off, they're, uh, they're on a bye week, and then all of a sudden the Vikings and Packers decide to lose, and they're in first place. So that's most well for them. Are they for real is the real question in Detroit. And the Redskins get a huge win on Sunday. Um, you know, they – they get the big win, so I don't know. At, at this point, what, what's your what's your thoughts on the NFC East between the Giants and Redskins and 
the Eagles madness there. Uh, you said with the NFC East. Yeah, the NFC East, which the uh, which is obviously the Cowboys own it. Whoever's going to come out of this playoffs or to the playoffs, more likely it's going to be between the Giants and Redskins. Uh, I I think. You know, okay, so the Giants are kind of historically similar to the Seahawks in that they seem to continuously backdoor their way into the playoffs. So I think the Giants would be a team, you know, the uh, one of those times they won the Super Bowl, they, they, they backdoor their way into the playoffs. I think they're 8-8, eight and eight. Um, and I think they're a wild card spot. And I think they're, they'd be a dangerous team if they got to the playoffs, but I don't think they will. I think I think – if you're obviously it's the Cowboys, and then if there's another pick out of that division, I think it would be the Redskins. I I just it, what, what's going on? What's going on? What's that? <laughs> oh, that was just it, that was a cheer. I don't know. It was okay, okay. I, I don't know. I was like, is it like, you're, you're, like I don't know if you, you have some medical issue and you have some heavy breathing going on. I was a little worried for a second. <laughs> Um, Holly, Holly, that that is that is medical issues right there already. <laughs> but but I just I'm not sold on the Giants this year. I mean, they're just not consistent. But then again, they are that team that if they find a way to get into the playoffs, they're scary. I just I don't think they're consistent enough for me. Like and and even though you know Dell Beckham is on my fantasy team and. You know, sometimes he, he does produce great numbers. Like, some of that is kind of distracting. And they do have, you know, Victor Cruz back, which is great. But I just don't – if Eli can cannot turn the ball over, that's a really good sign. I just don't know they're, if they're consistent enough to get through the rest of the schedule. I think I have more faith in the, in the Redskins at this point. Well, um, Troy? The, um, I'm looking at it, but you know the, the Cowboys right now. They're, they're of course they're flying high, and you know they're, they're they're just they're just playing great football. I mean they reeled off eight straight, but they're right behind them is the Giants. I mean the Giants have quietly ran off four straight. Um, they haven't looked very pretty doing it, and but you know this is the NFL. Everyone out there is good, um, but I completely agree. I just think that the Giants are just wildly inconsistent. I think the teams that they've beaten. They caught them at good times, you know, i.e. Uh, Cleveland and uh, the Ravens and, and just now Minnesota. Um, I just think the way that this team is going down the stretch, it's not the same team that Coughlin had, you know. So they have some of the same coaches there and they have some of the same players. But, I mean, you know, the Giants haven't been in the playoffs in the past four years. So when I look at – how they play, I just look at they really, they can't they, they don't make those deep throws that, like they used to because their offensive line isn't very good. And while their defense has gotten a lot better than it has in the past few years and, you know, you're actually starting to get really good play out of, you know, players like Janoris Jenkins uh, who they paid a lot of money for in the offseason he's actually taken up a leadership position, which is surprising. And, you know, to watch Watching how they play, I mean, can they sustain this? I just don't really have faith in it. Uh, when you look at the Redskins, their problem is is that how are they going to do at home? 
I mean, their home record is is three and two, and you got to you just have to be better than that. You have to you have to win your home games, and if they do that, then you know the story looks a little bit different. This stretch run that they had, looking at the schedule in the beginning of the year, you thought it was probably the most you know formidable one that they would have coming up. You know where you have um, you have Green Bay, and then you have Arizona, and you have Dallas, all in the same stretch. But you know, other than Dallas that doesn't look as formidable as it used to. And so, you know, they still have a tough road to go. I mean, you still got to beat those teams. And, you know, you have to do it basically doing three straight road games. So you have to go to Dallas, at Arizona, and back to Philly. And then you have the Panthers, who are pretty much up and down. Their schedule looks a little bit rough going down the edge, but I just feel like that the way that they score the ball and the way, excuse me, the way that they move the ball on offense, I mean, because they are in the top three offenses. Of, of the NFL, Kirk Cousins having a great year. Even though you would never understand, you would never hear that from the fans around this area. For some reason, they just think he's a pretty average quarterback. But he is playing lights out right now. And then you got Fat Rob, Robert Kelly, the undrafted running back um, out of Tulane. He's now taking over the starting position. He's run for you know in the high nineties the past two games. So now you're starting to get that running game going. The defense is actually making plays. They're stopping people at the end of the games. You, I, I'm starting. I'm really liking how the Redskins are taking over this momentum. And then when you look at them, they're very close to the team. So I just feel like going down the stretch, I think the Redskins are just getting more and more confident every week, and they are not afraid of anybody in that division, especially the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I agree. Um, before we go to college. Let's finish up week uh, week eleven. Let's get some predictions going here. So, Holly, I'll throw I'll throw some uh, matchups. Just tell me who's going to win and and maybe a reason why they're going to win. Uh, we got Texans and Raiders in Mexico on Monday night. Um, I'm going to go with the Raiders. Um, I I just feel like. Uh, I feel like they have a, a lot of weapons. I think it will be actually a pretty good game, but I, I, I don't think that so Houston's defense, even though um, it's uh, strong up front, I think uh, the Raiders will, will throw on them. So I think, I'm going to pick the Raiders. How about Sunday night, Holly? Um, you got you got Troy's Redskins taking on uh, Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers wasn't hasn't been very happy with his team so far. So uh, So it's Washington, Green Bay. I go in Washington. Green Bay is a hot mess right now. <laughs> I um, I, I think I think uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is having one of the seasons. I don't know if you guys play golf or not, um, but uh, when you are playing golf and you know your swing isn't right, sometimes the best thing to do is is actually to step away for a bit and to come back to it. I think I think Aaron Rodgers is having a very hard year. And I think he kind of needs to—he kind of needs to um, have a, a restart or just come back next year. I, I think uh, the Redskins will, will win. All right. So Holly, big question for me: Is Goff get his first win against Miami? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, is it at Miami or at LA? At LA. Ooh, that is very tough. I, I think it's going to be a close game. 
Um, can I say if if is the it, Rams special teams field goals? come through? <laughs> if the Rams special teams come through, I I I think I, I'm going to have to take Miami. I I think I think golf is is solid oh. there. I, I watched him play when he was in uh, you know at Cal, but I don't think he's the complete. You know, they need more help than him. Um, I think he'll play decent, um, but I'm going to take Miami. All right. So uh, Cardinals, Vikings, Holly, Bradford taking on Palmer in Minnesota. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Minnesota bouncing back. Um, I still really like Minnesota. I think they've obviously had a really tough year. I really, I still like their defense. I like Bradford. You know, considering the position he got put into, I, I think overall he's played well. Um, I think they need a bounce back game, so I'm gonna take Minnesota. All right, last game for you would be Kansas City uh, hosting the ba- the Buccaneers. Um, Kansas City. Um, I you know I I think they're just they they just have more uh, depth at uh, talent, and uh, the Buccaneers are, are kind of mediocre at this point. I think Kansas City just has uh, more talent, and I think they win. All right, Troy, we're going to go with you with the hot uh, hot buttons as well. So, Patriots taking on Holly's Niners. <laughs> oh, this is a tough for Patriots. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's not, this is not this is not cool, man. Like, that's not even fair. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I, I honestly believe this would be – what is the line right now? Is it 20 – was it minus twenty right now? It's got to be a. It's minus a big 20. line. It's like going to yeah. the movies. It's like going to the movies right yeah. now. It's a big <laughs> line. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Patriots all the way. All right, so uh, Troy Seahawks against the Eagles. <laughs> ah, okay. All right, so where is this game being played? Seattle. It's in Seattle. Uh, easy one. This is this will be Seattle. Now listen, the Philadelphia Eagles for some reason, man, they've been killing everybody's runs this year. I mean, the Vikings they were five and zero. Eagles beat them. Um, you know, Eagles they, they they won last week against a hot team. I mean, they they've been beating hot teams, but they've done all those teams. They've beaten all those teams at home, and so they're going to be on the road. It's in Seattle. It's the most hostile environment in the NFL. Give me Seattle on the Lavers. All right, uh, and Kishi's Cowboys taking on the Bad Ravens in Texas. Yeah, this is this is going to be in Dallas. Huh. You know what? The Baltimore Ravens quietly have the number one defense in the NFL. The number one defense. Um, I just think this is going to be a lot tougher than the fans think. Cowboys are riding high right now. The fans have no idea what they're even looking at. All they see is two numbers. Number four, number 21. But listen, Dallas also has a pretty good defense. I can't trust Joe Flacco, even though Steve Smith is back. I'm going to have to take Dallas in this one. All right, Troy. So uh, we got Bengals and Saints for the NFC North, uh, NFC South. So that's hosting in Carolina. You said, you said the Saints in the, in the Panthers? Yeah, Breeze against uh, yeah. Newton in Carolina. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go to Saints. 
Uh, I think that Carolina right now they are just they're they're just disheveled. I mean they're just I mean you know what it's like. It's like that girl you used to date in high school. She was hot. She was real hot, man. And then you know you kind of see her four years later. She didn't give you any run. She never wanted to talk to you. And now you see her and she just you know kind of got a little ratty. You know picked up a cigarette habit. I mean that's the Carolina <laughs> Panthers right now. They just they're just not very cute right now. You know they smell bad. You know. Wow, that was good. That was good. I like that. That was really good. (laughs) Wow. It's funny because we all know people like that. (laughs) It happens. (laughs) Oh man, that 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 was a good one. Hey, Holly, hey. let's let's end it with the big game of the of the week: Steelers at the Browns. <laughs> Jeez. Um, <laughs> you know the Steelers are really struggling, but I they're not struggling that bad. I, I they're going to. Um, I think the Steelers have lost like four in a row. I think they're gonna. You know, they're gonna get back on on track with a win against the Browns. <laughs> Why don't why don't we stay wow. on the laughing stock and say um, let's go on the laughing stock even more and say uh, the Lions taking on the ferocious Jaguars. <laughs> I go on the Lions all day. <laughs> I want to yeah, see the Lions in the playoffs. That 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 would just complete uh, the weirdness of 2016 if the Lions got into the playoffs. It's true. Oh, Very yeah. true. What a weird year. Very weird. Year. Yeah. Very true. Um, let's go to college football um, at this point. Uh, Troy and and um, Holly, we got backup quarterbacks starting for certain colleges right now. Um, this past week, I guess you, you, that's never really that big of a deal. But is it really a big of a deal? Michigan, Nebraska, and Maryland might need their backups this week. Um, it depends on the situation. Uh, you know. Speaking as a, as an Oregon Duck fan the last couple of years, it can be a big deal. It depends on who you have as your backup. Uh, from my understanding, Michigan's backup is actually um, uh, pretty much a vet, so I he might uh, he might actually be uh, okay at, at, uh, as far as Michigan's concerned. But it, it, again, it just depends on the situation, the, the person that you have as a backup, um, and the style of offense you run. And if that person's been around long enough to know that offense, um, it's harder if your if your backup is a true freshman. Um, but you know, I, I think Michigan's going to be fine. It, again, it just depends on the situation. Yeah, and and with uh, with in Michigan's situation with Wilton State, uh, you know, he broke his collarbone. He's going to be done for the season. Yeah, John O'Corn. And he is a senior. He's a transfer from uh, University of Houston. Uh, he's got a good rapport with Harbaugh. I mean, actually, the, the competition between those two and, and summer camp was actually pretty tight, and Wilton Spate kind of beat him out. So um, I'm not necessarily going to sit back and say he's going to set the world on fire because obviously he wasn't the best choice, and you know, and Wilton Spate beat him out. But I think he will at least be serviceable, and this will be hopefully. Uh, a good tune-up for him against an Indiana team right before they go into the horseshoe to play the Buckeyes next week, and they're really going to need John O'Corn to be on his best behavior. 
So the big winner this this week would be Clemson in the rankings. So uh, what do you guys think of that? Um, this week it was pretty crazy. I, I feel like every year in college football there's kind of uh, a weekend that shakes everything up. I think this is definitely that weekend. Like half the top ten loss this, this week. I still am not sold on Clemson. Um, even though other teams lost to, to move them, you know, move them up I I still don't they don't really pass the eyeball test for me like when I'm watching them play I just I feel like they're kind of like that Florida State team from a couple years ago where they somehow end up winning games that they really shouldn't win and they have talent but they just aren't very consistent with the talent um so they've got themselves you know into the race but I I think even if they get into the playoffs I don't see them advancing um, further than, the, than, the, than that first game, but that's just me. Totally agree. I just think, you know, Deshaun Watson, he's their quarterback. He's had a great year. Uh, but that defense, that defense, um, you know, with the defensive coordinator, uh, Brent Venables, he usually has his guys rocking and rolling. And with the talent that they bring in into that Clemson team, you would expect a little bit more from them. But they did lose a lot of talent to the NFL last year. Uh, you had Dodd that left. Um, you also had um, uh, McKenzie, the cornerback. He's out. Uh, he, you know, he's he's gone on to to the NFL as well. And so they are missing a lot of talent, and it just didn't seem like they melded together enough because you saw so many times where they broke down out there. I'm actually not surprised though that even though they lost, they really only moved down two spots, and they're still seated in the playoff. And the reason why is because that the team right behind them, Louisville, they beat them head to head. And at this point, there's really no way that Louisville can catch Clemson as far as, like, being the ACC champion. So that's why they're going to have to keep Clemson uh, where they are because it would just be too much turmoil if you had Louisville at the number four spot knowing that they wouldn't be able to play for the ACC championship. So I was actually surprised that Michigan didn't move any spots. So we were actually, you know, the, the Wolverines were actually very lucky that four teams behind them, like directly behind them, uh, lost. So, you know, Ohio State moves up to two. Michigan, they stay at three. Clemson is at four. And I think, you know, the rankings look look pretty good at this point. But I, but the one team that I want people to start paying attention to is that Colorado team. And I keep saying this, they were really the only team that kind of gave Michigan that run before Iowa did. Colorado's now in the top ten. And so what they're trying to do is play for that Pac-10, the Pac-12 title. And if they get a chance to do that, and a lot of things can happen down the stretch, don't be surprised if they go ahead and creep their way up and there's a possibility that even with the two lost teams, if they win handily in those situations, they could possibly move into the playoff position. I just want to point out that I was on the Colorado bandwagon earlier this year. <laughs> but you're actually okay. right. Um, uh, I, I really like the story of Colorado just because I, as a Ducks fan, I've watched them struggle for, for a while here, and it's really nice to see them turn it around. Um, and what I really respected about their program is even when they were going through their, their losing seasons, they were still competing. There's a difference between teams that just are getting creamed every week and they kind of just, you know, mail it in and they don't 
Uh, they kind of give up a little bit. Uh, Colorado never did that. They always competed, even even if they just didn't have the horses. They were still pushing and trying, and so it was. It's good to see them turn that corner. And so I feel like even if it's not this year, they're going to be competitive. Uh, I I I think they they've turned the corner a little bit finally. They really struggled when they first joined the, the Pac-12, and I think they finally have uh, some momentum going. Uh, and, you know, USC uh, beating Washington didn't really surprise me because I just saw them the week before play Oregon, and they, they've gotten their swagger back. And the, their quarterback is somebody that I think is going to be a force uh, for the next couple of years. Um, yeah, Sam, Darnold. Think, um, Sam Darnold. Yeah, he's he's good, um, and I think uh, I think Oregon found their new quarterback and Justin Herbert, and so um, that's good because the back club was always thrived when there's there's good quarterback play, and and it, the last couple of years here the back twelve has just annihilated itself um, as far as getting people in position to get into the playoffs, and I think uh, it's going to be tough. You know, for Washington, for uh, Colorado or or Utah that's hanging around, I think they're at like eleven. It's going to be very tough. And but the the encouraging thing was this last weekend. Everybody getting at that loss really. Washington still hanging around, um, and had a couple of those teams not lost, I think it would have been out of, out of reach. But I think it might be one of those years where it's just crazy. And we have people with two losses in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. The top six, you guys, right now, the top six right now would be, what, uh, Alabama, uh, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, Louisville, and Washington if if the playoffs, you know, started today. So, um, like uh, Troy's point is, there'll be some sleepers coming up and moving up in the rankings like Colorado. So that's going to be very interesting going down the next couple of weeks as to how things shake up. Yeah. Not, not to mention that Michigan, Ohio state, I mean, Michigan at number three, Ohio state at two, that's going to have to work itself out because these two are going to play each other two weeks from now. So one of those teams are not going to be in the playoff and it, it could, it's a possibility that both of them could be if the winner of that game loses in the big 10 championship game. So, a lot of this stuff is, is very early. I know some teams are starting to sweat, but you got to, you know, and, and a team like Louisville, they're basically on the outside looking in. The only thing that they can hope for is that some catastrophic losses from the, the top four that are up there, namely Alabama. If Alabama loses big, possibly uh, to, to Auburn in two weeks, then it's a possibility that Louisville can actually sneak back up in there into the playoff. So it's going to be very, very exciting. Um, any uh, any games that you guys uh, tell our listeners? This, uh, so Troy, top three games that we maybe need to watch for this weekend if if you're a college football junkie. Well, my top three games right now is Louisville Houston. Now, uh, early in the season, this looked like it was going to be an absolute surefire top five, you know, uh, uh, contest. Houston has lost two games, one of them to the Naval Academy. And then, you know, they, they lost another game, and so they've dropped down to 8-2. and two. But that's still going to be a pretty tough game. And they have to go – Louisville has to go into Houston and win that game 
you're going to have to battle with two mobile quarterbacks, two very dynamic quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson is still on that Heisman tear. He's still the front runner, in my opinion, as far as the Heisman uh, votes are, are going, especially with Washington and Michigan, who have their respective Heisman, um, their, their Heisman candidates. They lost this past weekend. Lamar Jackson is running away with this thing. So this is just be another showcase. And if you like high scores, you need to tune into that game. It's going to be the ESPN game at 8 o'clock. Now, the next game that I really wanted to pay attention to was Colorado and Washington State. Now, this is going to be this – is, this is one of those games where, you know, when we talk about teams that are flying under the radar, Washington State, very quiet, 8-2, and two, but they're 7-0. and oh in the Pac-12. I mean, they are really sitting pretty right now. So this could be one of those games where that falls them into the conversation. Right now, Colorado is that that Cinderella team, and they also have two losses, but they have one loss in the Pac-12, and that was to USC, I believe. So, I mean, and that, that's starting – initially they looked like a bad loss, and now it's starting to look like a much better loss, especially since USC upset Washington. So – this is this right now is one of those pivotal games for both of those teams, and it really could affect them either negatively or positively going forward and also for recruiting because they, those teams are right now, which you see on the cusp. That's going to be a pretty tough game to watch. That's going to be in Boulder, Colorado. And the last game that um, that I'm pretty much interested in, especially it is another one where you, if you like high scores, you got to tune into this one. This is going to be Oklahoma and West Virginia. Oklahoma number nine. They're undefeated in the Big 12. Again, another team that lost some really early games to some really good teams, but now they have righted the ship, and they are just about as dynamic as you can find across the board. you got Joe Mixon. He's running the ball very well, sophomore running back. Um, you got um, D.D. He's out there making catches. you got Baker Mayfield still, uh, you know, he's still on fire from last season. So, I mean, this guy, he's, he's one of those great quarterbacks that you'll see. But you got Skylar Howard for West Virginia. This guy is another dynamic quarterback. He can just he just flat out can ball. I mean, you just you love to see a quarterback that competes like him. He's fiery. He's a leader. And this is going to be in in Morgantown in West Virginia. So they have a, they have a special advantage there. Will Oklahoma continue their winning ways? Because if they win out with this um, with this Big Twelve, that bodes well for them because they still have an outside shot to make the playoffs if everything falls in their favor. Holly, any any games you're uh, um, going to focus on this weekend? Uh, yes. Um, Troy hit most of them. Um, uh, Washington State has really turned their season around um, as well. Uh, I don't know if you guys uh, know, but over here in the, in the Northwest, Leach was having to deal with a lot of off the season issue or off the field issues early in the season, <clears throat> it got to the point where you know the, the media was hounding them because they didn't start well. And the last two seasons, they lost, I believe, two seasons in a row to um, uh, a Division Two team. Maybe lost to Portland State in Eastern Washington, and yes. uh, you know they they have historically slow starts with Leach as well. And the media was, was all up in arms and Pullman, and Leach was having to defend his decisions on letting players play, even though they had pending charges. And it, 
he called his players, you know, basically soft. And there was this whole big, like, uh, dynamic early in the season of his Washington State going to just fall apart. And then they gradually have put it together. And um, their defense, uh, I think their defense is really underrated. Their defense is really solid. I watched them play against Oregon, and I watched them play uh, this last week. And, and I like the way that they play defense. They fly around, um, and it's kind of fun to watch. Um, so the Colorado-Washington State game is a big one. I think um, also uh, an interesting game always is LSU in Florida just because it's uh, SEC and it's historic, uh, historically a fun game to watch. Um, and then the other one I'm going to circle is USC and UCLA. Um, uh, I think USC has definitely turned the corner in that they have their confidence back. However, um, they are, you know, gunning to try to get into the Pac-12 uh, title game, but it might be hard for them to catch Colorado at this point. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they end the season um, because they have UCLA, which is always a big rival for them, and it's at UCLA. And then they end, I think, with Notre Dame, who is, we completely not who everybody thought they were, but are they going to finish the season strong or are they going to, uh, I think the UCLA game could be a track game. Um, so it'll be interesting yeah, to see absolutely. if they're able, if they're able to keep focused enough to take care of business. And um, because if they are, then that tells you their, their maturity has uh, increased throughout the season and then USC will be a scary prospect for, for next year um, if they're not able to, to get uh, into huge conversations this year. Um, so I think if they're building in the right direction, they need to take care of um, And I think those uh, other games are, are the main ones that you mentioned as well. At this point, you know, it's all about matchups and, um, you know, the top 25 matchups and, and playoff seeding. Um, it never ends up the way we think it's going to, or it's never the same as that first week where they're like, hey, here's the first uh, playoff rankings. It's never that first group. It always changes, you know, every week. So it'll be fun to watch. Can you believe that it's a possibility that Washington State could actually represent their division, the North Division, in the Pac-12 championship game? They could I mean, be in who the would have thought that in the beginning of the season? Yeah, it's, that's, they, that's they, just they amazing. They could very easily. They put themselves in great position. You know, now looking back, like, uh, from an uh, Oregon Duck perspective, they just annihilated us. It was really ugly. And, you know, in that moment, I'm like, how the hell did we just get blown out by Washington State? Like, this makes no sense. Like, they've had a really hard start, and then we made them look amazing. And now I'm like, okay, well, it's not as bad because obviously they've improved. <laughs> but um, I'll give it to Mike Leach. Like, he has he has his players, um, they've bought in. And uh, uh, so they could be in the Rose Bowl. I mean, after losing to Eastern Washington at the beginning of the year, you know, you, you can't fault them for losing to Boise State, but – I, I just can't even believe we're having a conversation to see the you know, it's funny, I, um, I have two of their fans, uh, two of uh, friends, basically, and I, I told them, I think it was like last week or the week before, I was like, look, like if you guys could just be like, you know, East, Eastern Washington and Portland State, like you'd be putting yourself <laughs> in a really great position. Like I don't know what your yeah. deal is with the schools, but you need 
take care of them. <laughs> um, that's good. Um, you guys, we're going to go into the women's recap before we get out of here. Um, but Holly, thanks for joining us today on this uh, post-election edition and going through the college as well and dissecting the NFL and everything else. Just so, what I thought Nkishi would be here today, and I just um, sort of disappointed the Cowboys. The Cowboys are eight and one. She didn't show up today, so I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna have to kind of text her and say what's going down here. Um, but uh, Troy is feeling great. Maybe she uh, needs to take Romo aside and, and uh, talk to him about, you know, some PR moves. Oh, that's cold. <laughs> she's listening. That was good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure she's already calling him. <laughs> um, anyways, we'll go to the women's recap. The big announcement internationally was uh, this weekend was BAFA Women, the uh, British American Football Association, uh, the women's division will take on the Swedish international uh, international team. Um, so the Birmingham Lions, the three-time champions in the uh, Sapphire Series, will be taking on the Helsinki Wolverines. That's going to be February 11th, 2017. Really good program they have out there in, um, in the U.K. right now. So uh, the uh, Birmingham Lions, with our no-joke football supporter, um, Phoebus Kessler, she's going to be uh, taking on the Helsinki Wolverines. Um, then we got the news this week, uh, the return of the San Diego Surge to the WFA for 2017, and they're already pretty much working the off-season schedule. Very formidable team in 2012. They went to the finals, um, and so it's a, it, you know they they have a very good a program there once they get up and running again. So that's going to be exciting. The IW, uh, the IWFL champions are in the off-season mode as well. You can go to our Facebook page. We shared up uh, shared a video of their off-season workouts, as well as you can check out the video of the WFA off-season featuring the Dallas Elite, Odessa Jenkins. It's on our Facebook page as well, and the St. Louis Lambs, the Division Two Tier Two champs, in off-season mode also. And we talked about at the beginning of the hour here with with um, Holly, the Sour Sisters visiting the Majestics camp. Um, thanks to Edwina uh, Brown for her. Uh, taking uh, the photos and posting those on um, Facebook. And uh, we got to give a shout-out to Savannah Milton, Kristen Moore. Both of their teams are in the playoffs in Arizona and in uh, Arkansas. Uh, see how, if they go deep and win the, uh, the, champ, the state championship. So shout-out to the, both of them for their amazing efforts. Uh, Savannah has been kicking butt out there, um, and she's been doing great, as well as uh, Kristen. So we're going to be uh, having, you know, great results. Hopefully, the next this this weekend they win their games and go deep into and maybe win the state championship. That would be awesome. The Great Iron Queensland uh, finals are set, and those are going to be taken care of this past this coming weekend. We'll post that up on our Twitter and Facebook page as soon as the uh, the matchups are posted. Uh, Great Iron New South Wales, the Raiders will take on the Phoenix, and that'll be the Opal Bowl 2016. That will be on December 3rd. So they have two weeks out there. So shout out to Renee Hahn, uh, Kate Gardner, and uh, Stacy Spear out of the uh, Raiders, who are no joke, football, no joke football supporters as well. And Lexfa week uh, week five uh, action in Lexfa. You can get that information on the Lexfa site. You can go to the uh, ArenaFootball.com/mx. And a lot of exciting games in Lexfa. It was the Harley Quinns 22 to 12 versus the Vaqueras. 
Uh, the Legionnaires, 36 over Centurions, 14. The Fraley's lose to the uh, top-notch Vaqueros, Quascapilco, if I can pronounce that right. The 38, uh, 38 uh, for the Jets against the uh, Lady Niners, uh, 14. The uh, Black Dolphins uh, lose 32-27, to 27, and the Avengers kind of rebound this week. The Jaguars uh, blank out the Gladiators, and I've been saying that they should change their name every week. Gladiators, they're just getting blown away. It's not even fitting for their name. Um, 21-12, to 12, uh, the Eagles take on high voltage. They beat high voltage, and the Cardinals rebound. 28 to 12 to take care of the angels. So uh, you want to get the latest updates and standings. We'll post them on our Twitter and also on our Facebook page on the links, but you can go to arenafootball.com and .mx uh, for Lexfa. FX Mexico is posted on our Facebook page. The results are there. And that was uh, basically week six and the MVP should be up, up and coming as well. Shout out to the uh, bikini league out in Cancun. The Barracudas will be taking on the Naredas in the final, and that will be here uh, next week, and that's the uh, LFB in Cancun. The Barracudas defending champs taking on Naredas, which uh, Naredas lost to them last year, so it's a rematch of the final. FXL um, also had the champions this week, Heartbreakers. They win 26-22 versus the Phoenix, uh, and that's posted also on our Facebook page. So that's what's going on in the women's game. Uh, the offseason, like I said, in full swing. In Canada, we'll get updates uh, this coming week on the WWCFL and the Maritime as we get closer into 2017. Um, so, Holly, before we get out of here, we got about two minutes. Uh, Majestic's tryouts, any other tryouts coming out at this point? Uh, we have another one scheduled for mid-January, I think like the 14th. Um, and I think they're going to be uh, making an announcement of the location and the time and all that information. So it should be coming out in the next couple of weeks here. And the website to go for the details? Uh, go to uh, theseattlemajestics.com, and there is a link uh, to go to the tryout section to register. Um, it's $20 to go to the tryout, and you get a T-shirt. Um, if you have any questions, you can also hit up. Uh, there's an email to hit up on the website as well. Awesome. So, uh, guys, great show. Unfortunately, um, Keisha wasn't here to gloat about her Cowboys, but uh, I'm pretty sure she's probably Very talking good. to Sony Romo right now. You know what I mean? Small Figuring that favorites. out. In PR mode. Small favorites. Uh But other than that, it was a, it's going to be a great weekend of college football. Uh, NFL is going to be great as well. I, I can't wait for uh, golf to get the big win against Miami, so let's cross my fingers and hopefully that's the case. But other than that, it's been a great show. Thank you, Holly, for coming in. And Troy, Thank as you. always, very informative. And we will see you guys here next Tuesday right here on the Gridiron Blitz on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you. See you, guys.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.